This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's good, everyone? Alex Harris here. Just wanted to give you an update about this New York Jets episode. So we had Richie Moore on of Jets Media. You probably also know his other YouTube channels, Knicks Media and Mets Media as well. But John and I had Richie and I had Richie come on to discuss, you know, New York Jets roster cuts. And we did that on Tuesday. So we know this is coming out on Friday. You may think it's a little stale, uh, but it's not very relevant. We go through the whole thought process of why Joe Douglas and the New York Jets front office would want to bring guys back after cutting them and so forth. So stick around, enjoy it. And if you do love the New York Knicks or the New York Mets, definitely stick around for the later part of the conversation because we do get in those two. We do discuss those two teams in detail. Uh, since Richie is also a fan of the Knicks, like John and I, and since he's a Mets fan, even though John and I are Yankees fans, we, we want to know what the state of the New York Mets is. So we get into that as well. Uh, so you know what to do, guys. Just kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the episode. The Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Terrace here with another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. So with me is always my buddy, my coach, my pal, the man with the plan, John Malika. He's so hyped for today. I couldn't get the endless text stopping because guess what? Roster cuts were done today. That You know what that means? It means we're getting just that much closer to the NFL season. So that's why this man's hyped. Ready to watch the green and white. John, how are you doing today? My guy. Yo, what's up, dude? You, you nailed it, dude. I, I've been hyped all day. It's cut day. It's also we're also number two on the waiver wire because we stink. So it's it's, it's not just <laughs> us. It, it, I'm I'm staring at every team. So man, I've been I've been hyped up all day. We got the Yankees on later tonight. Everything's good over here, man. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Living the the quarantine wife with the cats on uh, status. You know, going through uh going through was a week. Uh, no, not week, like day six, because they got the ringworm and fleas. So, you know, just got them quarantined into a room. It's a, it's a whole cleaning process. It's an adventure. It's a fun adventure. Not really fun. I don't know why I had fun in there, but it's an adventure to say regardless. But, John, we got, we got, a, we got an awesome episode for us, for our, for our Jets nation today, because we got one of the, one of the kings right now in Jets, Jets YouTube media, Jets Twitter, all right, Richie Moore. All right, you know him from as Jets Media. You also know his other accounts as well, Knicks Media and New York Mets Media as well. Richie, my guy, how are you doing today? What's good, boys? I feel, you know, I'm happy you guys had me on. I love talking sports, especially that you guys let me speak about all three of my sports. It's very rare for me to do that. Usually it's one of the three. I know you guys are doing great things. I actually saw your guys' Twitter uh, recently for the first time. I saw a Jets-Knicks podcast. I was like, wow, sign me up. So Alex and John, it's a pleasure to be on here with you guys. I'm excited to talk everything about New York sports. Let's get into it. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, uh, let's kick this thing off. John, what, what do we got on Dagger for today? What's the first thing we're, we're going to talk about? I mean, we got, we got to start off with the trade, right? We got to start off with the Herndon trade. So Chris Herndon, our fourth round pick from 2018. Uh, I want to say up and down since he's been here, but I feel like that's mostly down sh- sh- sugarcoating <laughs> it a little bit. Uh, but he was traded in a, in a, in a slick, 
kind of Joe Douglas fashion. We've been talking about how Joe Douglas trying to take over the world with six round picks. I guess this is why. Uh, so we got a fourth round pick back from the Vikings, surrendered a six round pick and Chris Herndon. I mean, just a, a, a unbelievable move to be able to reset yourself four years later uh, off of honestly a bad pick. Uh, what do you got on that, Richie? What was your initial reaction off the Herndon trade? Yeah, definitely was not expecting that whatsoever. Um, I made a video yesterday uh, predicting my 53-man roster, and I had Chris Hernan on there. But for Joe Douglas to be able to turn Chris Hernan into a fourth-round pick, uh, we essentially gave up a six. So basically, we just moved up two rounds and gave up Chris Herndon. Uh, you know, Chris Herndon, you asked if he had an up-and-down type of career. What I would say, he had an up, down, 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 down. All he had was a rookie like his rookie season was great with Sam Donald and it gave us all this hope. We're like, whoa, we got to steal the draft. Chris Herner, remember the name. Make sure you draft him in fantasy in 2019. He's about to be whatever. And then he gets suspended. The, and then the he's biggest hurt. sucker, bro. The biggest fantasy sucker right here every year. Man. I lose every year because all I do is draft Jets. Don't listen to me with the fantasy advice. But um, listen, I feel like it's just a perfect uh, Joe Douglas move, you know, when he came here, he was going to get his fingerprints all over this team. And you see it. You saw that uh, that picture that's viral all over social media right now of the 2019 Jets. We had Sam Donald, Chris Herndon, Robbie Anderson, Quincy, uh, Quincy Anunua, uh Leonard Williams, and all these guys as the face of the team. And now every single one of those guys is out of the door. Goodbye. Joe Douglas is bringing his own guys in. He's uh, bringing a new culture. And it's just a matter of time. And it's crazy that Joe Douglas in only two off seasons was able to bring in this many people. He's acquiring draft capital for the future. He's, you know, putting us in a position to succeed, not only now, but in the future. And that's what I would like to tell Jets fans, especially going into this season, that this season's not all about this year. It's about the future. And it's refreshing that we finally have a man in the front office that is building for that. Because if you have a short-term thinker in front office, such as Mike McCagnan, it's only going to set yourself up for failure. So shout out to Joe Douglas. This is just one of those moves where, okay, I don't see Hernan as a piece of this. Instead of me cutting him and get no value, I'm going to move up two rounds in the draft, get a fourth-round pick for Chris Herndon. And the biggest question mark that I have about today's roster cuts, and I'll get into it, is you know, alongside of Chris Herndon getting traded, we cut – Ryan Griffin, we cut Daniel Brown, we cut Kenny Yaboa. So we have two tight ends on the roster right now, and one of them is our fullback. Mm-hmm. So expect the tight end position to be addressed, whether it's the waiver wire or the trade market coming up. Yeah. So, uh, no, go, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Uh, so, so just like really quick, uh, Alex, we'll get your thoughts on the trade. Uh, but I also want to throw this in there too. There was um, a tweet from Parkland School, which I believe is – Either an elementary or, or one of, or your boy was high school, one of his uh, younger schools out there. And they tweeted uh, about an hour before the Herndon trade like uh, went through our, uh, I guess, media streams, uh, because it's actually not official yet. So just around that time, they tweeted that Yaboa signed a contract with the Jets. And just around that time, he also got cut. And so I guess, like, I, I mean, I don't know what that means. I, it doesn't. Like I'm not like reporting anything. It's just it's just kind of odd. And as you said, we literally don't have a tight end. We have we have Croft, you know, as a starting tight end, and then that's it. And even though we kind of lost a little bit of money with Ryan Griffin, right? Like we didn't we didn't really save money. He was still some dead cat money. So even if it's true, Alex, is that even a, like what do you think about the Herndon trade? And is that enough? If we have just Croft, uh, Croft just say we have Yabo, just like for for argument's sake, is that enough? Or are we are you still looking somewhere else? Uh, for a tight end to close that off. 
I'm still looking somewhere else for uh, the tight end. I think, you know, what the, with the six round draft picks, we saw what we, what Joe Douglas said, he addressed, uh, he addressed the defensive end getting, um, why is the name something from uh, Houston? Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson. Thank you. Yeah. You saw how we need a defensive end. He traded for Shaq Lawson. We need a tight end. So he's probably going to make another trade during the season because we, we can't just go in there with two. If it's just two with uh, Croft and Yaboa, we don't know what Yaboa's status is right now, whether he's mm-hmm. on the team, cut, whatever. Yeah. But just two, that's not enough because what? Isn't Croft also – who's the one who's playing? Isn't he playing – who's playing fullback? Wesco. 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 Okay. And so that he could technically is also like – even though he's a fullback, he can also play – a little bit of tight end, tight end as well. So, I mean, Crossman killing it, man. Crossman, I know he doesn't have a, I know he doesn't have a sexy name, but Tyler Crossman absolutely murdering it in training camp. He has experience in the league, right? And he has experience in the division. I mean, yeah. if they like what he see, if they like what they see, like I, I trust it. If they just want to throw you Boa in there as like you know whatever, that's fine. But there's got to be a veteran tight end coming in there, Richie. What do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Jets fans on Jets Twitter, you know, thinking that Zach Ertz is an op- is an option because they are very deep over there in Philadelphia at the tight end group. Maybe Joe Douglas wants to flip one of those late round picks he got for veteran tight ends. So we can get someone that's actually with experience. And there's a lot of guys on the waiver wire that's going to be available tomorrow, like Hollister from Seattle. He's yep. been productive. Um, Eason as well. So there's going to be some tight ends that are 100% going to be coming in because I do not see the Jets going into the season with two tight ends and one of them being our fullback. Um, It's going to be interesting. And one note I have on Tyler Croft is I didn't really expect anything from him when we signed him. I didn't even think he was going to be our tight end number one. And then he caught those two touchdowns and that really raised a bunch of Jets fans' eyebrows. And then I have a lot of Buffalo Bills uh, fans uh, subscribe to my channel. A lot of people in the AFC East because I'm part of a AFC East round table. We go live every week Mm -hmm. with a bunch of, you know, AFC East rivals. And a lot of Bills fans are like, Richie, don't sleep on Tyler Croft. He's a, he's a stud. Like he's a really good pass catching tight end. And hearing that from Bills fans, I was like, really? So then I really did more research on him and I, I, I've known the name. I know that he's been around the league and he's a quality guy. He's nothing to just, you know, throw around saying he's not anything to, you can't expect him to be, you know, a top 10 fantasy tight end this year, but I do expect him to be you know, heavily part of this offense. If you look where this offense has been throughout the NFL, you know, Shanahan style, he's no George Kittle, but this offense requires a tight end to be evolved. So don't be shocked that Tyler Croft, you know, shocks a lot of people and finishes the season with around like six, 700 yards, maybe five touchdowns, something like that. Yeah. Just like those weird tight ends. I mean, just like those, just those weird touchdowns for those tight ends. Like when, when, I mean, when there's pressure on him, because where we're suffering the most this year is our pass protection. So, and that's where you're gonna you're gonna throw it to the slot receivers and you're gonna throw it to the tight end. And it just so happens that our offense relies on our tight end as well. So it's really just a a perfect mix. But you know, Alex always points out that Ryan Griffin was the first signing for Joe Douglas. So I. It's kind of interesting to me that they kind of throw him out there, nine-year veteran, and in a spot where we're depleted, as you say. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Joe Douglas obviously has something up his sleeve. Exactly. He has something. Like, there's no way. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw that Griffin, Brown, and Yaboa is cut and Hernan's traded. I'm like, okay, something is happening. <laughs> and Jets fans, we have to be patient, but it's going to be pretty uh, – it's going to be a long 24 hours until we figure out what, what the hell his plan really is. Now we were just on a Philly uh, pod last week with um, with KB. Kev, his name's Kevin. He has a good underground Philly show, and he he talked. He discussed how there is rumors how the Eagles are mo- 
are potentially ready to move on and trying to trade and that the market is open for Zach Ertz, right? So if we're going to link this all together, Joe Douglas being from the Philadelphia Eagles organization, Eagles looking to move and just because they have the depth at tight end, at tight end, we do have some draft capital next year that we could give up as well, more than just a sixth round too, right? I, it wouldn't shock me if Zach Ertz is, is that that plan that uh, Joe Douglas has because even though it's not a, pr- a premier position per se league-wide, right, it is considered a premier position for what this offense wants to do. So if they want to actually give uh, Zach Wilson some weapons, Zach Hurts, man, that's that's a, that's a guy that would definitely improve the need at the tight end. Yeah, that's now, an experienced vet. Like, you know, I mean, that's an experienced vet that's been in the league. He's been with Joe Douglas in Philadelphia, so he knows his character pretty well. We know that Douglas prioritizes that, so I wouldn't be shocked if Zach Ertz is a Jet, but I'm not saying it's going to happen guaranteed, but there's definitely some, you know, some two smoke. things linking up. Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. And to finish, and to wrap on the, the Herndon question that you asked mm-hmm. me, John, I think it was fine, man. Like, Chris Herndon didn't really do much. Like, he was injured for <laughs> One season, could barely get on the field. Second season, he just had a lot of drop. He had that one flash, and we thought we had something with Sam Darnold, but you just – you can't – there's only so much you can, like, bank on. And I think for the last year of his contract, if he wasn't showing it really during um, preseason. There isn't really any reason to keep him for the full season and just say, all right, we're not seeing it now. When are we going to see this? And it, it would it would just be like it would be like old Jets to say all right then he shows some flash at the end of the season then you sign him and then we get nothing from him ever again so I think it was a smart move by Joe Douglas just to move cut ties start fresh whole new regime a whole new roster for as Richie pointed out that whole team with Darnold Herndon everybody in the in the in the uni uh, uni release they're all gone which is which is fine whatever it happens but fine to move on fine to move on. But guys, we gotta get into these roster cuts, man. And Richie alluded to part of the part of the problem, like when we discussed it, which is the tight end. But let's go down some of this. Let's go down some of the key, or not necessarily key. But is there anyone? I'll just throw it up for everybody right now. Was there any cut that shocked you the most? Uh, and I'll start with you, Richie. Um, yeah, there's a couple. Um, James Morgan, I, I, I was like on the fence with it. Like I could see him get cut, but I didn't know if Joe Douglas would really want him to cut him since we drafted him last year. And if we do cut him, we'll risk the idea of him being on the waiver wire and someone can scoop him up. And I know like 95% of Jets fans still don't understand that pick. And, you know, we don't know why that happened. So James Morgan being cut, I didn't know. Like that was one of those things that was up in the air for me. Um, Josh Adams, I know that a lot of Jets fans fell in love with him and he's been a very productive running back, but I expected that to happen. I expected P Ryan to get the nod over him. Um, but outside of that, I'm happy that Jabari Zuniga made the roster. I'm happy that they took nine defensive linemen on the active roster because that's something that that's our best position and we need to stay, stay deep. Even though there's only four defensive linemen on the field at once, you need to have a steady rotation of eight or nine guys being able. You need fresh legs. And this defense is all about getting to the quarterback. If you can't do that, then the defense is going to fail, especially with their young secondary. Um, I'm pretty shocked that Isaiah Dunn made the roster. Um, I, I actually had him making the roster in my predictions video over Lamar Jackson. Um, but other than that, you know, it feels like everything I expected, the, the, the biggest thing was the tight ends for sure. Outside of that, there wasn't really anything that really caught my eye. All yeah. Right. All right. Yeah. Like, uh, re- like just really quick, I'll just start from the top. Do you think that 
because not only James Morgan was was a the QB couple, we had Josh Johnson who they just brought in, and they're talking about how he knows the system. So one of those guys is going to go to the practice squad, I assume. Like which which guy do you have coming out there? I think it might be Josh Johnson. I, I don't I don't think James Morgan like watching him was tough, man. Like I, I have to watch him. Like I was there for the scrimmage. Like I watched some preseason. It, it's kind of tough watching him, even against like third and fourth stringers. Yeah, I mean Josh Johnson looked absolutely like really good in his first time ever <laughs> yeah. like suiting up with the Jets in the third preseason game, and everyone thought that he might be QB number two. But we mm. find out that they have some high hopes in Mike White, which I don't see. But <laughs> I guess the uh, yeah. you know the coaching staff sees something that we don't. Um, you know, James Morgan's interesting. I remember I was at the first two open practices at Jets training camp and he played like he was way better than Mike White in both of those. He actually had really good days. And then what, what really caught my eye about James Morgan in particular is he was a lat, everybody was in the locker room and he was the last person on the field just working on his footwork. Not the, not even just one of those days. It was back to back days. I noticed James Morgan was out there putting in that extra work and I just noticed those types of things. And I always like wanted to really like James Morgan because it was one of those picks as a head scratcher. I'm like, okay, maybe he could be the long-term backup where we don't have to pay a lot for a backup. But now, you know, if I had to guess out of the two to be on the practice squad, me personally, I would say James Morgan just because of the upside for the future. Um, I could see both of them on the practice squad as well, because we need a veteran in the, in the locker room. We need a veteran in the practice squad, but at the same time, I don't know if Joe Douglas is ready to write off, you know, James Morgan for the future. Cause I feel like his whole vision when we drafted him was maybe this guy could be our long-term backup behind Sam Darnold. Now we have Zach Wilson in the building. So it'll be different because it's not easy to have a cheap backup in this league. And obviously I think that we have probably the worst backup quarterback in the NFL. So hopefully Zach Wilson stays <laughs> on the field this year, because that would be a nightmare if that doesn't happen. But the whole quarterback depth is going to be interesting. I did not expect them to cut Josh Johnson. I thought he was going to be quarterback number two and roll with Mike White as quarterback three or have Mike White and, uh, or James Morgan on the practice squad. So it's really interesting to see what they did with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think the quarterback one is the one Alex. that sticks out to me. Yep. What do you got on Morgan? Your boy. Remember, I, I remember when you, because when, when, I, I, it's just funny that he was cut right away because, and you have these feelings on him, Richie, because when James Morgan was first drafted, because we, we, we've always been in QB hell, right? We're first Jets fans. So I just remember Alex going <laughs> off because everyone was on the Joe Douglas hype train. Oh, yeah. everything Joe Douglas does is amazing. It's perfect. Da, da, da. And Alex was ready to scrutinize. He's been scrutinizing him since the beginning with the whole from Ryan Griffin. Right. And his whole nonsense from that, you know, pick up to the James Morgan draft pick. So I was just, I was just waiting for a reaction right from Alex as soon as, as soon as the James Morgan stuff, uh, came out. But it, it, it's a, it's just, I mean, the, the only thing that really caught me from these cuts was I, I, I liked Isaiah Don, man. I liked that he was getting better as the, as the plays kept going, as the games were going, as training camp kept moving on. So I'm really happy we kept Isaiah Don. I'm surprised Lamar Jackson got cut, even though he was the culprit of that Raiders, you know, last play, and he did have bad plays in preseason. I'm hoping he makes it to the practice squad. Another guy, Tanzel Smart, I'm hoping he makes it to the practice squad too. I'm hoping he hangs on. David Moore, the O-lineman we got off the waivers, he's got cut, which is kind of interesting. But for me, I honestly am kind of shocked that Vincent Smith got cut. And... And especially that Jeff Smith, 
you know, is on the team. Like that for me it, is my is the biggest like quote unquote shocker, as shocked as you could be off, you know, the back end of fifty three man roster. Just because not only was he productive last year, he was also productive this year as a wide receiver, and then he had that flash on special teams. And do you, do you guys have any thoughts on you know the wide receivers? I know I know I love Lawrence Cajun, but I'm not gonna talk about him. I understand why I got <laughs> cut. I'm I'm hoping he goes to the practice squad. But like Vincent Smith was an actual uh, shocker for me. Do, and on on the flip side of that, do you guys see Jeff Smith like making an actual difference on this team? I think I think for the wide receiver, what we have seven guys already. So you can't how many guys can you actually keep, right? That's usually I think it's around seven players that they have and what we're gonna probably be out. We're gonna use three of those guys at most. And as of right now, the depth chart set as Corey Davis, Jamison Crowder, and Keelan Cole. You know, you got Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, who are right behind them. So right there, you know, as much as like people may, like other like teams may scoff when I say the Jets are pretty deep at wide receiver, like we are actually deep at wide receiver talent-wise. So there's no reason to keep so many guys around. So it was a choice between Vincent and Jeff Smith and Jeff Smith, just showed a little bit more, and that's why he that's why he's kept around. I I, I would I would expect that you know you probably they probably keep Vincent Smith on like the practice squad just because he has some familiar, familiarity with the with just like the team and being around the team and understanding the guys he's with. Um, but I could also see it going the other way too because he's just kind of in that in between like category where it's like you had a good time here for for what we saw, but you're not really making that much of a difference. So I think the wide receiver position is set. What was your What was your second question? Well, I, I just wanted I just wanted to I just wanted to know your initial reaction to James Morgan being cut. But that's that's James Morgan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I, I just want to hear. I'm right. I'm I have right. James I mean, Morgan. Look, what a bad pick. I'm not. And look, man, you choose a bit. I knew it was a backup quarterback. It's like it's whatever. We saw what he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I agree with Richie. I think he's just going to be bad. He's we're we're not going to go into into the season only two quarterbacks. Someone is. Both these guys are probably gonna be like I don't actually I don't know if both these guys will be on practice squad. I can see Josh Johnson just because I think for him they want somebody who's familiar with the offense just in case breaking break glass in case of emergency you need to move somebody up. But this is difficult, man, because actually I don't even think it's difficult because Joe Douglas clearly showed like even with Ryan Griffin, right, a guy that he signed, that he's very comfortable moving on from somebody if he doesn't see them working out. And if he hasn't seen something from James Morgan. And if you can't see that he's going to be that long haul, like back with quarterback to just be a game manager, then cut ties. Now you d- you're not really losing much. He's, it's not like you're gaining a transcendent talent. So James Morgan, as much as I was just like, what are we doing here? Like on draft night, it's, it makes sense why he gets yeah. cut. Yeah. Richie, what do you, are you happy with the wide receiver room right now? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to the wide receivers room, I had Vincent Smith making it instead of Jeff Smith. I might have a little bias towards Vincent Smith because I actually interviewed him last year. Um, so I always try to root for Vincent Smith and <laughs> yeah. succeed. So be like, hey, that's my guy. Yeah. But, um, you like- know, I felt like the seven receivers I predicted was basically the same things, but just Vincent instead of Jeff. And it could have mm-hmm. went either way. I think that Jeff Smith and Vincent Smith both bring special teams ability, but I feel like the reason why they want Jeff Smith is because he brings a different element. And even though Vincent could do the same thing as Jeff in terms of those end arounds, he has a, a lot of speed. And also, Jeff Smith, if you guys don't know, is a former quarterback. So maybe he is our emergency third string quarterback. You never know. 
Um, but I love the depth at this receiver room, man. I feel like I've never been so comfortable at our playmaker position. Uh, Joe Douglas last year, he learned from his mistake. He signed Brashad Perriman and we, our top three receivers were Perriman, Crowder, Mims. And all three of those guys were not healthy together at the same time. I don't think like maybe one or two games. So he understood, okay, I need to get depth. Like I need to be prepared for injuries. So, you know, obviously we're hoping for no injuries, but this, this wide receiving group is prepared for it. So, you know, say God forbid, one of these two guys goes down. We have a lot of players I feel confident to fill in for those. And, you know, speaking on just the guys that we have in the roster, I'm expecting big things from Corey Davis. I think that he is true number one uh, receiver potential. You know, he was the fifth overall pick for the Tennessee Titans at one of the best college, you know, performances ever for the, at the wide receiver position. And he was battling injuries. He didn't really live up to the hype. He didn't, you know, if you're drafted fifth overall as a wide receiver, you're expected to be Julio Jones level. He never really lived up to it. And then the Titans went out there and drafted AJ Brown and he kind of went into his shadow. But Corey Davis was 16 yards shy of a thousand yards last year in an offense with Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. Yeah. And he was the best wide receiver in football when it comes to play actions. And he also uh, led the NFL in uh, receiving yards for receivers that got less than 100 targets. So he is a guy that is a veteran. He's 26, entering his prime of his career, and he is going to be Zach Wilson's favorite target. On the flip side of things, Elijah Moore, I've never had this much optimism going into a rookie. Um, I had similar optimism with Denzel Mims, but this felt different, man. This guy has superstar potential all over him, and I hate to use that word, but there's something different about Elijah Moore. And I think the different the difference that I see in him, in him is his mentality. We see the physical abilities. We see his route running. We know that he has crazy hands. We know he's athletic. But every time I hear him speak, every time I hear what he has to say about his mind, it just really makes me believe that he is going to be special in this league as long as he stays healthy. I feel like, you know, you, everybody's physically talented in the NFL. That's how what gets you there. But what separates the good and great ones is the mind. And I feel like uh, Elijah Moore has that. So expect him to be doing a lot of things this year. I think that Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are going to lead the receivers and receiving guards this season. What do you see? Because I agree with you 100%. And I told John from draft night, I saw this guy. I was like, watch videos. I was like, this is the guy. I was like, yo, he we got college, we got he special... college football. He liked college football in yards. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just like, just from talent alone and just like here, like as Richie pointed out, like listening to his mentality, you're like, oh, there's, there's a lot of potential there. And like the fact that he fell so far in the draft, that is just remarkable. Um, remarkable for us. And it's just, uh, I'm just shocked. But who do you see him? Do you see him beating out Jameson Crowder because I guess like everyone pictures him as like a swap because of his route running ability, his quick, his quick hips, his, his like phenomenal route running. Like the way he's able insane. to use it is, it's insane for hit, for hit, for a best route on the um, team right now. For sure. So do you see him beating out James and Crowder? Or do you see Keelan Cole? Because I feel like he could do, he could do, honestly, you can line him up outside like anywhere on the field, but I feel like a lot of people are pegging him as that SWAT wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for us, we didn't get to see Elijah Moore play in preseason because of his quad injury. But, you know, I wouldn't read too much into the depth chart, even if it says Corey Davis, Crowder, and Cole at one, two, three. That doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of the same way as the running back room because it's going to be a wide receiver by committee approach, similar to the running back by committee approach. They have Coleman as the number one, Johnson two, Carter three, Pirine four. All four of those guys are going to split carries. I feel like uh, Pirine and Carter won't get as much. But what I'm trying to say is the wide receiver room, Elijah Moore is going to be out there a lot. I don't think, 
I think he's uh, like maybe in the first couple of weeks, uh, Crowder will get more reps simply because more is a rookie and he missed time. So that's going to play a huge role in that. But as the season progresses, I would not be shocked if Elijah Moore is not only playing in the slot, but on the outside because he's a small guy. He's shifty, but he has the talent to be able to line up on the outside. Uh, similar to a guy like Tyree Kill and Tyler Lockett. Those are two guys that I really always, uh, modeled his, uh, comparisons just because of his size. You know, he's small. He's shifty. His route running is ridiculous. He can create separation. He can beat you deep. He can beat you over the middle. And you just need to find a way to get this guy the ball in his hands in space because He's also going to be lining up as a halfback, I believe. Uh, if you look at what the San Francisco 49ers did, I feel like his role is going to be like Debo Samuel. He's going to be getting the end arounds. He's going to be getting the jet sweeps. He's going to be lining up in the slot on the outside. He's just going to be a very versatile weapon, and I would not be shocked by, say, week five, he's going to be the most targeted player on this team, even like same targets as Corey Davis over Crowder, over Keelan yeah. Cole, over Denzel Mims. It might not happen week one simply because, like I said, he's been injured and he's trying to work his way up mm-hmm. and get uh, back to speed of things. But I would not be shocked if he is lining up all over the field by early in the season. For sure. And I think even a wide receiver cop, it could be like Antonio Brown, a small undersized yes. wide receiver. You know, he's got that type of he's got that type of stature. Guy has that type of ability. So I would be, you know. I think I, I agree with you. I could see him definitely bursting onto the scene like week five, just because he's coming back from injury. I think if he was healthy this preseason, I think there's no way you can't you put him on you leave him on the bench. I think he's starting week one like instantly. Uh, also, just like from the all, all the reports, like you hear from like Connor Hughes, DJ Enemy, like you just hear all the connection between like him and Zach Wilson, just like on the field, and just like it seems a little it seems fluid right now. So I, that that's why. But hey. It is what it is right now, and thank God we got the the depth chart that it is. What's up, John? It looks like you want to see something. No, I also like I, I just agree with Richard. It really has nothing to do with the depth chart. It's really just about position. And we're gonna be running four wide receiver sets. That's that's how the offense runs. And you're gonna have Mims on the outside and Corey Davis on the outside. And Berrios and Crowder are kind of limited to the to the slot. Kind of cold, but he could play on the outside. You know what I mean? And and that kind of leaves more like this free bird in, you know, of the four wide receiver set, especially if we're going to be lacking in the tight end and we have a fullback. Like it just, it just makes perfect sense for them to be like running around. Um, kind of just like floating around on the bootlegs or whatever we're doing on the wides. I don't know. I, I'm, I agree with you guys. I'm excited for it. But I'm just not that optimistic about it as you guys are. I, I think it's, we're going to be running a lot. I, I think we're going to be in a lot of sh- uh, third and short situations. We're going to be getting like, um, it's going to be ugly football for the most part, in my opinion. Um, I think we're going to be relying a lot on our run protection. Our pass protection is going to be tough. Elijah Vera Tucker is really going to make or break our season, which is kind of tough to think about because it's a rookie. But let me. Just throw it up to the defense real quick. B- besides the obvious concerns at cornerback, how are you feeling about the linebacker situation? Where you got, you know, the two rookie safeties converted to linebacker. Now with Gerard Davis out, I probably half the season or so. Like, how do you think that's going to play out? Do you think CJ Mosley's back? Yeah, I mean, the only thing about CJ that's been disappointing is he can't stay on the field. First season out for the year, second season opted out. So it's not like CJ's been a bust in terms of he's on the field and he plays like crap. Actually, when he was on the field for the first half of against the Buffalo Bills, he looked like the next coming Super of star. like Lawrence yeah. Taylor or whatever it was. Like, I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> but the, the only problem with CJ is can you stay in the field? I feel like if he's on the field, 
the worst CJ can be is an average linebacker. And I'll take that. Mm-hmm. I feel like he still has a lot in the tank. I feel like his um, opting out last year kind of helped him out in his rehab process because he got a really bad groin injury and that those could linger on. And he's happy that he did that. He had a lot going on mentally and physically he rebooted his body. So I feel like CJ is in a different headspace right now. And I feel like, you know, Jared Davis going down is definitely devastating. We lost three of our free agent acquisitions on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, Carl Lawson's the biggest loss for the season. Vinnie Curry out for the year. And then Jared Davis out for six weeks. So this, what this does is it opens up a really big opportunity for the rookies in Jamie and Sherwood and Hamza Nazaldine. And the one thing that gives me confidence about those two rookies is that they have a guy like CJ Mosley in the middle that's going to be communicating and telling him where to go and telling him where the reads are. And we also have to ground our expectations. And I know you guys probably have the same mindset as I do with this is, what this season is all about. It's about Zach Wilson and it's about the development of this team. We're not expecting to win a division. We're not expecting to go to the playoffs this year. I'll see if that happened. Great. But if we win five, six games, like that's okay. That's what we expected. We have a rookie head coach, a rookie offensive play caller, a rookie quarterback. I mean, the offense as a whole is so young. And then now look at the defense. We thought it would be actually decent this year because of Carl Lawson being so dominant. He goes down. The whole formula for this defense is to get to the quarterback. And now that's falling apart without Carl Lawson and Vinnie Curry. And now without Jared Davis, who was a very, very good pass rushing linebacker. And we know the concerns at the cornerback position. So the linebacker group to answer your question, um, I feel like the Jared Davis this injury opens up an opportunity for a guy like Jamie and Sherwood, because like I said, this season is all about the development of these guys and say, hypothetically, Jamie and Sherwood, you know, he's going to have some growing pains. He's going to have some missed tackles. He's going to have some blown coverage. He's going to look bad at times, but maybe he learns from those mistakes and he develops over time and say, you know, by next year, we're like, we have our two started linebackers for the future in Hamza Nazareth and Jamie and Sherwood. Can you imagine that with a very young uh, nucleus at that linebacker position with, you know, paying them pennies with those cheap rookie contracts? Not saying that's going to happen, but that's what I feel like Robert Sala's mindset and Joe Douglas mindset is, especially with the defense, especially with the cornerback position. They know that these cornerbacks are going to go through a lot of pain yeah. and they, they understand that. And that's why I always say they have a long-term vision with this team where we got to give these kids reps. We got to give them playing time because if they can develop into true, you know, role players slash starters, then this defense is going to have a lot of upside because we have so much cap flexibility and so much draft capital to just, you know, focus on whatever the need is next year. So. I'm kind of happy that this is approached. Like I was one of those Jets fans in the minority where it comes to signing a veteran corner. I just feel like that would not do anything because this year we're not going all in to go to the playoffs. Like I could see if we were a corner away to win a division then to do it, but we're not like one <laughs> veteran cornerback is not going to solve the issue here. It's just only going to take uh play time away from the young guys. So, you know, take your, you know, we're going to struggle in the secondary. We know that we're going to struggle with the linebacker position. But this is the year for growth. And I feel like that's what Jets fans need to really, you know, ground their expectations this year because it's really easy to get hyped up and it's the season and we're going to shock the world. But, you know, <laughs> that could happen. But, you know, ground your expectations to, you know, to set yourself up for not to be failed. For sure. Absolutely. And, Rich, you, you hit it right on the head. The expectation, right? What is the expectation for this season? And, like, uh, you know, I don't think anyone comes in here expecting the Jets to go that far like if we get playoffs then it's like honestly like to relate to all of our team the new york knicks like that's exactly what that with this type yeah. of season it's like house money at that point so mm-hmm. you know if that's if that's what we get awesome but it really is about the growth of like zach wilson it's the growth about 
all these opportunities now that you mentioned for the linebacker core, right? Whether it's Jamie Sherwood, whether it's Hamza, right? and you're talking about Bless Austin, Bryce Hall, all these guys getting the necessary repetition to see what can happen for all of them. So I agree 100% with that. But to, to, and to answer John's question on the linebacker situation, I mean, the, the hope was that, you know, we would stay in games to make it competitive so that way we'd have like a balanced attack. Uh, I think with the, with the loss of <laughs> Lawson, uh, Jared Davis, um, and Vinny, and Vinny Curry, it's just, it, it sucks because we were going to, re- we, we needed to rely on that defense in order to keep us in games and to keep, give us like the opportunity to have like that balanced attack, right? Okay. Run, we'll run some, pass some, run some, pass some, like to keep it close to that 50 50 mark. Now, if we're going to allow other teams just to pass on us heavy because we're not going to have that necessary rush while guys are still trying to learn how to cover guys, whether in the secondary or how to pass rush in the front seven, then I could see this being a lot of like pass heavy games moving forward just to stay in it. Because if we're going like 21 seven, like, and we're talking like, if it's 21 seven, like we got to throw, like we're going to have to get <laughs> Zach Wilson, those reps then, then maybe the, t- maybe the coaches didn't want, maybe that's why, like, as you pointed out, we wanted that run. It was going to be a running type of game because usually what they like to do is to ease that quarterback in, right. Get him some, get him the, the good reps, the good looks for him. So that way he can feel confident and build that confidence. That way he's just not holding his head down. Like we saw with Mark Sanchez or even with Geno Smith getting frustrated. Right. So I, I always see like, this is my issue with just like losing everyone, like losing these guys on the defense. I think it's just going to counter that to the offense. And now it's just going to put a lot of pressure on Zach Wilson to have him perform at a higher level that I don't know if he's necessarily ready for. He looked decent. Uh, he looked decent to good during the preseason, um, but that's just my concern with the defense. I just want to guard a tight end, man. I just want to guard a tight end. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't need any miraculous. Like I don't need. I just like I just need one of these guys to guard a tight end, and that's that's what I'm worried about. Um, I guess let's uh, close off this Jets portion uh, by asking: do you, do you guys have anyone on the waiver wire? Because we are the number two priority, as we mentioned. We stink. We all know it. Um, do you guys have anyone on your mind uh, that you kind of see or want to, to be snagged by the Jets? It's it's going to be interesting, man. There's so many. The the first question is what position? Because yeah. obviously the tight ends, the glaring need at the at the time that we're recording this because mm-hmm. there's two guys on the roster, but there's so much need on this team, whether it's offensive line depth, cornerback depth, linebacker mm-hmm. depth. You know, you can you can argue everything. And um, it's going to be interesting to see. I like Hollister, but I don't know if he's worth it at that second thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe another edge rusher that can come in, even though we got nine guys on the active roster right now. <laughs> yeah. um, but I don't know if you guys know this, but we do have one spot open right now because the Jets announced a 53-man roster and Chris that's Hernan was on there. That's so, what I'm saying. Well, that, well, that, 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 of, well that's why like, I'm like even my, my tinfoil hat's even more on for this Yaboa thing. From his school, you know what I mean. That's why, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, that's why. Like, so I just don't know. just sign our guy Yaboa, please. Like, <laughs> that, that's my that was my sleeper this year. Like, I don't know why he got waived. We have two tight ends, Joe Douglas. He has a plan. I just don't know what the hell it is. But to answer your question, there's not really one or two guys like that comes to mind in particular. Um, but I think it's going to be a tight end if I had to guess. If it's not Kenny Yaboa, Alex, you got anyone on your mind? There's no one on my mind in particular. Mm-hmm. I think if we're gonna. See, I guess it's just, and Richie pointed out, I was like, what position are we, are we looking for? Cause we do need some line depth. We need offensive line depth, defensive line depth. We well, I feel like we well, even know, need linebacker I'm, depth. I'm happy, Marshall, I'm happy Marshall stayed on. Me too. Speaking of offensive yeah. line depth, I'm, I'm happy he made it. I, the only guy I have, I have, uh, my eye on is Trufant. 
Right. He was uh, Desmond Trufant, the cornerback. He was cut because he, I think his dad's passing away or something like that. So he was away from the team for a couple of days. So they just cut him because he hasn't showed up for anything. So I'm hoping, if, you know, uh, you know, praise his family and stuff. But if he decides to come back to football, um, I hope hopefully we can snag him there. That would be really cool. Um, if all of a sudden we have Bryce Hall and Trufant, like that, that would, that would, that would really change everything. Then I'm like, okay, we kind of have a chance against Carolina. We want to just like shut down Robbie Anderson, focus on CMC. And now we have like a whole, it's a whole different ball game. So it's really interesting what one player can do. For me, that one player is Elijah Vera Tucker. And I can't get my mind off him. Like literally like him and the linebackers, right? Because if we just, we're going to get cut up, cut up on the tight ends like we did last year, then it's, it's hard to watch. <laughs> it's really hard. Like we like players I've never heard of just getting like two touch. Like it's tough. All right. Like it, it's really hard to watch. So that, 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 that's really it. Um, for me, if you just put Trufon out there, at least solve one of the problems. I'm really good with the offense besides like offensive line depth and the tight end. Like I don't want any more running backs. I don't want any more wide receivers. Just like stay away from me. You know, you know, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. But we, we, we have a lot of, we have a lot to handle because like Hunter Henry and John Smith and Gazeki and like every single team has ridiculous tight ends that we have to play them. And speaking of, we got Mac Jones now, my, my, your boy McCorkle. He's, he's, he's now starting in New England. I mean, he could throw like we have no days off in our division, especially at our, all of our weak spots. So I don't know. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of nervous as the, as the year is coming closer. I'm, I'm getting kind of nervous about how we're going to approach this division. It's getting kind of scary, but do you guys have thoughts on Mac Jones? Do you think they got better or worse? I don't know. I think that's incomplete to even say if they got better or worse. I know the, I think the, the raw, the rumor mill, or not even the rumor mill, the reporting here in like in Boston area and New England area is that Mac Jones has really been like showing out throughout practice. Is played. We call that Billy well. propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> he played pretty well during, uh, during the preseason. I think it was just, I think for the cut, cutting ties with Cam Newton was more of just, uh, like, getting back to what the Patriots way was, which is just kind of being like under the radar, not a lot of personalities, just to just go full reset. And I think Bill Belichick, what, like what he saw in Mac Jones, I'm not, I'm not terrified that he's starting, but it, it says something that Bill Belichick wants him to start. That's, that's all I, that's all I get from it. Yeah. I didn't really expect Cam Newton to be released. If anything, I would think that he'd be benched and he'd be quarterback number two, but it's interesting that they just completely cut ties with them. And that makes so much sense that you say, you know, the, the Patriot way, everyone's low key. They don't want a big personality like Cam Newton on their team anymore. Um, you know, I'm going to have a front row seat. I'm going to the home opener, Mac Jones versus Zach Wilson. I got to pit in my stomach thinking about it. <laughs> know, um, I'm also going to be in Charlotte for week one, actually. So Ooh. I'm going to watch Sam Darnold versus Zach Wilson. That's going to really be insane. Um, but you know, Mac Jones, he's going to be it, – it's interesting that Belichick is rolling the dice with a rookie quarterback like that. And that, that scares me in, in, in a sense of Belichick has this much confidence in him and he sees this much potential in him. Um, but, you know, we, we're all suckers of this. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to change my own mindset with this because the Jets have been so bad for so long in our lives where we're worried about what other teams are doing, where we should just really focus like – what can the Jets do to beat these yes. teams? What can the Jets do to really, you know, get over that hump? Because I feel like since we've not been to playoffs in a decade and all this stuff, our, our, our mindset is 
And you you got to be worried about your opponents for sure. Cause if you're not, then you don't know what's going on. That's what I'm saying. But I don't know, man, I'm just worried about Zach Wilson, his development. If Mac Jones pans out good. Um, but I hope he does it. <laughs> Preach, bro. Preach. I love Richie, that. It, it, it's the traumatized Jets fan, Jets oh, fans yeah. in us because it's, we, we know there was a certain guy in TV 12 that was just like dominating the fucking AFC East for so long. And you're, you're just like, come on, man. Like, when is this going to end? When is it going to be over? And then he leaves and you're like, Oh shit, shit's open again. And it's just, it's just trauma, man. We all get it. It's just, it's just freaking trauma from you- watching, uh, Billy B just go at it. You don't understand. I've been literally terrified that week two, we would injure Cam Newton and Mac Jones would come in and absolutely ruin our life forever. Like I, that, that's how much trauma I have. Like I was like already picturing that scenario happening at home too, right in front of my face. So I'll be at MetLife as well. Just like, like just all the bad things. But oh, do you have, do you have the Jets making the playoffs? Uh, I, I kind of want to end the, the Jets talk on that. Yeah. Do you have the, do you have, like, what's your over no. under? Like, you, do you have them getting on the over six and a half? You know, it's so tough. I try to ground my expectations so <laughs> I'm not disappointed. Um, I can see, like, I would say the lowest they'll get is five and the ceiling. If everything clicks and everything stays healthy is eight or nine. All right. So five to nine, no playoffs. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I don't see playoffs. But I said no playoffs for the Knicks too. So oh, perfect <laughs> transition. Perfect, perfect transition. transition. Here we go. So Richie, we're all Knicks fans here. As I said, as I said earlier, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? The status of this team right now, from what we saw last season to the draft to free agency to now, like what? What is your what is your current feelings on the current state of affair of the New York Knickerbockers? I would tell you that. If I told myself three years ago that the Knicks would be the best teams out of the Knicks, Jets, and Mets, I would be like, really? That's insane. Um, I just cannot believe what this Knicks team has done in their first year under head coach Tom Thibodeau. Like, it, you can't ask for a better situation. He comes in here. He wins coach of the year. He brings us back to the playoffs for the first time in eight years. He coaches up Julius Randle to be the most improved player of the year. He goes out there and trades for Derrick Rose who becomes a finalist for six-man player of the year. We get R.J. Barrett to take a huge leap in year two. He has Alfred Payton as a starting point guard for the entire season and still ends up as the fourth seed. Um, you just don't can't say his ask. Name here. We don't say his oh, name. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I know. Trust me. He's one, I, curse, I, I never hated a Nick. <laughs> I never hated a Nick more. And I usually like every single player and I root for them, but he was... We're not going to touch on him again. But, you know, long story short, man, this Knicks team... It's fun to watch. They're back, man. And I don't want to say like, oh, we're winning the championship this year, but we're, we're relevant. We are a team that's functional and it all starts <laughs> up top, man. You got to give credit to Dolan simply because he's the one that hired Leon Rose and just went like this. He put his hands up and say, you do everything. The problem with Dolan for so long was he would try to do everything himself, be hands on and do all these things. I'll be toxic in the media and it would just be, be a disaster and dysfunctional this, dysfunctional that. He finally did made the right decision by hiring Leon Rose. Leon Rose went out there. He hired Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau hired an amazing coaching staff. And then they went out there in free agency. They did their things by, you know, maintaining uh, cap flexibility for the future. Like it, it kind of crazy because there is a parallel between the Jets and the Knicks right now. I feel oh, like 100%. both front offices has of their their mindsets on the, the future and both the Knicks and the Jets have not had that type of mindset in the front office in my entire life and it's very refreshing Leon Rose in particular man he has this vision and it's coming to fruition he's been here for literally a year and a half if that 
um, by just bringing in all these guys. And I love that they retained a lot of the young, the not the young core, but they retained the veterans like Derek Rose, Nerlens Noel, and Alec Burks and those guys. I feel like that was very needed because those guys played a pivotal role um, in the, you know, going to the fourth seed. You know, I just, all in all, I love the identity and the culture that's brewing here. I feel like we have a structure that's that's successful. And that's what the Knicks have lacked. I feel like if you have a real coach that knows what he's doing, and this is with any sport, if you have a structure and a system, it doesn't really matter what type of players you have in your roster. All they need to do is buy in and play together. Obviously, if you have more talent, you're going to you know be better. But mm-hmm. if you look at that Knicks team roster last year on paper, it's nothing special. They had pretty mm-hmm. much the same exact roster the year prior with David Fisdale, and it went to crap. So shout out to Julius Randle for putting in that work, proving us all wrong. Shout out to my guy, RJ, who took a huge leap in year two. And then for us to go out there and get Kemba Walker, replacing that guy that we're not going to mention about, (laughs) and then replacing Reggie Bullock with Evan Fournier. I mean, while still maintaining cap flexibility and all the contracts we handed out, they all team options. So it's not like we're sacrificing all this, you know, money to these guys for the next four years if it doesn't pan out because that's what was the problem previous Knicks uh, regimes is we have all this money like all right let's sign Tim Hardaway to a four-year big deal let's sign this guy so it's just refreshing that we have you know a mindset of to win now and maintain cap flexibility and draft you know capital for the future for sure and I think to even add on top of that to keep uh to maintain roster stability because you mentioned that like it's been a revolving door since 2014, uh, 15 season. Prior to that, the Knicks, that was the, that was the most out of like percentage wise. They had 73% of the roster stay from the 2012, 2013 season to the 2013, 2014 season. Since then, it has been below 50%. The lowest being 37%, no, 35% in roster continuity. Last season, 64%, because as you said, Richie, it was a majority of like, Fizdale's team that was brought back. Now it's probably the the percentage hasn't been uh, published yet, but I would have to say it's close to like freaking eighty percent at this point, which is would be ast- it's astounding to even get that high for the New York Knicks after seeing everybody uh, that we've gone through from like Ron Baker to Tim Hardaway oh to <laughs> Lua Munson to Langston Galloway. We the list goes on. Fed. Oh God, dude. yeah, no, I don't need to remember. These are studs, everything. These are studs right here. Uh, <laughs> studs of the what? Uh, the, the the Knicks bench that <laughs> should be the bench. That's just like our, that's just, I feel like those are my glory years of being a Knicks fan. I like just every like, game. Yeah, you yes, know what every I mean? game. Like throw Marty Collins in there. I feel like Tony Douglas. Like I feel like those are like the Jordan Hill. And those are the oh, years yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, this is our year. Ronaldo Bachman is gonna come in here. He's gonna he's gonna be the next uh, Kenneth Fareed. Beno Udra, you're like, oh, I can see Beno Udra being a decent point guard. Jose yeah. Calderon, hell yeah, he was on team. He was on the Span the Spanish team, man, Spanish national team. They went Clean far that early. That oh, oh, oh man, <laughs> that, that like, one's rough. And that's that why, one's rough. And that's why, <laughs> uh, I actually, Rich, you hit it on the head, man. That's why the Jets and the Knicks organizations are really on the same path. Like the Joe Douglas, Leon Rose, like they're. They look like they're running on the same path. You got Salah and, and Thibodeau. We're, we're hoping Salah, it literally turns into Thibodeau. And we have no expectations this year. We're, we just want to play hard-nosed defense. We just want to don't turn over the ball. Like, we don't really have an offensive plan, right? Like, we're just like... It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like run it. You know what I mean? Like, don't do anything crazy. And if we win, we win. And if not, like, it's all good. Like, if we end up making the playoffs, 
like we did, like a wild card, like the Knicks did, I will go absolutely insane, just like I Super did. Super Bowl in twenty twenty two. That's what I would. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I will. I will go. I will be outside freezing my butt off in MetLife, going absolutely nuts, like no problem. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, so, there's no question. The same old Jets thing, man. I, I actually do think it's gone, just like the same old Knicks thing. But again, it, it it's a wait and see situation. Um, man, I'm so excited. I, I I'm I am, I'm, 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 I'm gonna happy. be a week two also the home opener. I also bought tickets to the London game. Oh, I wow. am so I'm so hyped for this Jet season, man. So uh, I I I I have nothing to say about I have nothing more to say about the Jets. I have nothing more to say about the Knicks because I I. My the problem with the Knicks, right? For us, for us now is we already hit that plateau, right? Because because well, the Knicks are gonna the Knicks are are they exceeded our expectations for from last year, and we kind of kept the same roster. We added Kemba, who really excites us, and Fournier. So like you know, a, a logical brain would say, oh, okay, so now we did fourth seed, we we stayed the same, got a little better. We're gonna be fourth or better, or for fourth seed, we're gonna win another round in the playoffs. You know, win actually get to the second round. It just doesn't seem likely. So uh, nah. it, that, that's, that's you, what hurts. Gotta, it, that's what hurts. Like, we're going to get but you better, but we're going to get worse. We're going to have worse results. A, but the thing is, like, if, if in a vacuum, if it was that, sure. But the thing is that it's not a vacuum. All the other NBA teams, especially in the in the East, got better, too. So if we got the, if we got the fourth again, then that really is solidifying something about the New York Knicks. But I ex- like my expectation is somewhere between the fifth and the sixth seed of where they're going to win. Richie, can we win the first round? Can we win the first round, Richie? I know we how Alex feels. We better. We better Ooh. I mean, listen, last year, the, the playoffs, I've never been so more like yelling at my television. And I was at game one. Um, and I never left oh, the garden man. a more like oh, depressed dude. feeling, man. Like I can't believe we let that game slip through. Like there was 58 seconds left or something. And I was at my dad and I looked at him like, we got this. Like we're up by three. And then that crazy Bogdanovich three-pointer three in the corner. I know. I literally wanted to rip my face off. But um, <laughs> I know. Both those are right in my eye, bro. Like, I feel like we, right in my eye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the worst part about, you know, the Knicks last year is – what defines superstars or what defines really good teams is your playoff success. So some people look at the Knicks, oh, it's a fluke. You know, they look really good in a pandemic year and they, they absolutely shit the bed in the playoffs. And Julius Randle was nothing like he was in the regular season. RJ Barrett disappeared. Derrick Rose was the entire team. Uh, well, we just happened to be unprepared. We were a very inexperienced playoff team and, and so was the Hawks, but the Hawks game plan defensively was ridiculous against Julius Randle. And they also went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. But to answer your question about do we win a playoff series, um, we better. Because if we go out there and lose <laughs> again that. in the first round in five, that's a big disappointment. No matter how much regular season success we have, we're going to be right back to square one. What if so, it's in seven? Does that make you happy? Who in seven? What if it's in seven? Like, well, Knicks lose in seven. Are you happy with that? To anyone, the Hawks. The Hawks? Oh, God. Jesus <laughs> Christ. No, no we're not. I know. I know it hurts. No. Trust me, that doesn't hurt. I'm just, uh, so I, I'm yeah. trying to ground my expectations you. too. I'm Knicks. with you. I want to win the first round too, but like, <sighs> it just, I, I, I'm trying to be a realistic fan for the first time as a Knicks fan because this yeah, is a hard I, task for him. By the way, this is a very hard well, task for John. Well, by the well, way, because I'm finally secure, right? I'm finally secure. <laughs> right? Finally, I'm like, all right, like we we're okay. Like we're we're not. We're, and we don't have to sit there and like write. You know essays and dissertations about why my team should be like have, have a primetime game. You know what I oh mean? Like we're, we're finally on the map. 
We finally have a star on the team in Randall. You know, we, we, we're, we're a team. We're a real team. We have players like Kemba Walker who actively are coming here. So now it's really about like managing expectations and like being realistic. And so again, I just feel like we got better and our results might not show it. I'm hoping that's just regular season standings, but dude, we can get under the seventh. Like if we're seventh, we're done. Like we're, we're, it was a hundred percent. We're not, we're not getting out of the first round. So yeah. it gets, it is a, such it's a very small likely. window. Yeah, I know. Like I know. I'm not expecting us to be the fourth seed again. Like uh, even it. though we so got only better. Five or six. So exactly. it's only five like, or six. Even though we got better this year and we have continuity now and we're going to year two with Thibodeau, like I'm not expecting the fourth seed even though, because I kind of want to ground my expectations. And like you, um, I think you said it yourself, Alex, a lot of player, a lot of teams in the East got better. And it, it, we got, I don't want to say lucky, but that, that nine game winning streak was the reason why we became the fourth seed. And we oh, were, yeah. we had home court advantage. Like what? We had home court advantage. I don't know how that even happened. Like it doesn't even feel real. So, you know, I expect the Knicks to be like, you know, lowest seven between seven, five. I hope, you know, bearing any injuries. Seven scary. I, I, yeah, seven, seven <laughs> teetering on just like, oh, crap, Schufer. I can't do, I can't do the play man. I cannot do the play. I'll, I know. I, I'll, my heart will be out. <laughs> and I remember I, I when they, out of my body. <laughs> I remember when they announced the play tournament last year. I was like, yes, it gives the Knicks a better chance. We can get the 10th seed and still make the, the playoffs. Like, how's my mindset going in last year? Yeah, and now you're just like, oh grown. shit, hell Look at this. No. What, Look at this. And all <laughs> of a sudden, I'm like, gross. we gotta avoid that crap, yo. How do we? How do we got like? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Look uh, at the growth. Look at the growth. So we're growing with the Jets. We're growing with the Knicks. And I feel like Richie, we're 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 resident Yankees fans, but I I, I feel like oh, we, we I feel like we're reaching out or reaching out an arm right now. <laughs> Here's an olive help, branch. Yeah, we need to help a brother out right now. Because uh, our video producer, uh, Greg, is also a diehard Mets fan. Uh, we got Richie, if you're watching on the YouTube, give him the thumbs down, which usually, right, <laughs> we, 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 we share, we share the, Todd Frazier, the, the, the Little League World Series king, and he had the thumbs down for the Yankees, and that was a celebration, and we, we cheered about it. That was a whole, that was nice. Now with the Mets, we got Javier Baez doing a thumbs down, and now it's terrible. And now we have him doing a thumbs up, and now a medium thumb. Mets are all confused, but they did win today. Javier Baez, you know, in a Disney movie type of way, slides yeah. home, right? And then they're looking for his jewelry after the game, which is so classic <laughs> by the home plate. But, dude, what's the what's, what's going on with the Mets, dude? Uh, if they don't make the playoffs, I will throw up. <laughs> Even won't. as a Yankee fan, I'm going to throw up. If they don't, I know, like, it doesn't look like, but I'm going to throw up because of just the cliff that they fell off of. But what's the state of the Mets, man? How are you feeling yeah. right now? How I'm feeling about the Mets is I'm really excited for football season. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, uh, this Mets team was staying in first place with all of these injuries at the beginning of the season somehow. Like, everybody was injured. We had guys from AAA, AA, rookies playing like no names coming up and playing quality baseball for us. And we were staying in first place, but there was always a, a sense of like, this doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like we're that legit. And did Jacob deGrom was literally on pace to have the greatest season of all time. And of course he has to get shut down and he's out for the entire season. Um, and then, you know, Francisco Lindor, we signed into the big contract and, you know, we were in New York booing happens um <laughs> and he's being booed in april like that's that's a little too 
soon for my opinion. Like I'm not a New York fan that boos unless it's something that's really out of hand. Like I don't agree with all the booing that's happening with the Mets team right now, but it, it's just in a, it's a disgrace. Like I'm kind of like embarrassed as a Mets fan, just, just by from the Mets fandom more than like the team. Like I, I what Baez said in the press conference the other day, I am pretty shocked. He actually called out the fans. You never turn on the fans that way, but at least like you said, in Disney fashion today, the Mets were down by five runs in the bottom of the ninth and somehow scored five <laughs> straight to win the game. I don't know how they ended up doing that. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. But this Mets team is perfect, dude. I know, literally. Baez is <laughs> hustle. Like, it was a it was, Conforto hit it down the left field line. He scores from first base because the left fielder juggled the ball. His baseball instincts, his base running is so fun to watch. And even though Baez leads the league in strikeouts, he is still such an energetic player to watch. But you know, all in all, this Mets team is going through a lot in this offseason, a lot of change. I want Rojas gone. I think we need new people in the front office. This is, you know, Cohen's first time as a Mets owner. So this is the first time he gets to evaluate this team. And he got, you know, firsthand perspective of who's doing their job well, who is not. So he's going to do a lot of things this offseason. Um, and like I said, I, I was live for an hour and a half today with my uh, co-host on my Mets show. And the whole time I'm like, can we just talk baseball? Like, I don't want to talk about this thumbs down stuff. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah, yeah, I, like yeah. this is so <laughs> unnecessary. Like, this is so terrible. Like, I just want to talk ball. We yeah. win a series for the first time in three weeks against the Nationals. And we're talking about thumbs down and yeah. booing and stuff. I'm like, yo, this is so annoying. I hate Mets fans. I hate my life right now. And I'm ready for the Jets to disappoint me. <laughs> But Richie, you got to be used to this, man. You're a Jets fan. You're a Knicks fan. When it comes to nonsense, it's all here. Whether it's Adam Gase, you know, finding uh, Quincy Anunua for not showing up to to practice, or whether it's freaking uh, you got Spike Lee uh, going on ESPN and uh, not using the correct entrance, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that's that that used to it, man. Nuts, Everything that- is dysfunctional in my life with these sports teams. <laughs> that's probably nuts. <laughs> And I thought the Mets were going to be the best of all the three teams. I did, but you know what? You know what's ridiculous, yo, dude. Honestly, uh, the one, the biggest sympathy I have for the Mets and the Mets fans is the whole Carlos Beltran situation. Yes, thank you. Because he's terrible. Like, dude, he's so bad, bro. Yo, your your manager's so bad right now, and it's just totally not fair that Hinch is back in the league, Cora's back in the league, and Beltran's like, no, no, no. Like, he was hired. And he's he's still like kind of blackballed, I guess. I, I think was De- so pumped up about that too when it happened. Obviously, before the scandal came out, like before and I, I was knew pissed. He was, and I was pissed like, as a Yankee fan. I was like, oh, we interviewed him. We had yeah. him. And, and it, then it, and then we settled on Rojas. I'm like, okay, this is a one year trial. And then going into the season, I'm like, yo, Cohen, like you better not keep Rojas here. Like he is not the guy. Like he's literally not supposed to be a major league manager. He's a minor league guy. Yeah. He just happened to be the manager because we, there's no other option. But it was a scandal, bro. That's why, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude, he wasn't it's just, hired. This is devastating, man. And the Yankees just all of a sudden just make moves at the deadline. And now they're back <laughs> to being the Yankees. Like the first half, it was the Mets being better than the Yankees. I'm like, holy God, this is sick. The Mets are better than the Yankees. I can't believe my eyes. And then the deadline happens. We trade for Baez. You get Gallo. You get uh, Rizzo, and now you guys win like it felt like fifty games in a row, and I'm sitting here like, "Wow, that took a swing in my in my favor." I, dude, I I know my group chat, especially with our video producer Greg. Man, I wish he was here right now. He was going off at me. Uh, <laughs> he's like telling me about the Mets, he, like laughing, like you know, laughing emojis at night. I wake up to them, like you know, because the Mets are killing it, and the Yankees can't win a game. We're all laughing about Boone. 
Like we're all, like joking about oh, how yeah. everything like, flipped. Oh my goodness! Like we're all like talking about Kluber. Meanwhile, he's terrible. Chapman, that whole thing, and now we're actually good. And it was as soon as we got Rizzo. But we're not here to talk about the Yankees. Well, I mean, I, 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 let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Last question on the Mets. Are you signing bias? Good question, man. You know, it's going to be after this whole week of <laughs> yeah. the past 48 hours, like for him to turn on the fans the way he did. Um, and you guys saw what Mets fans did to him today in his first at bat. Like they were yeah. <laughs> just like holding up thumbs down signs, like making him wreak hell. That was daytime bias. on a Tuesday, bro. Yeah. It, it's like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, come on. Like, I understand your frustration and stuff, but like, my mindset with this whole booing situation is like, if you're booing a player when they're in their slump, like, it's just going to make them feel even worse about themselves. Like, you need to be able to, you know, defend them. And I'm not saying you can't voice your frustrations. We live in New York. Like, we're, we have a very honest fan base, but it's just getting out of control. It's like, it, we look like an, like an embarrassment. Like, I'm looking at these Mets fans. I'm like, I feel ashamed to be part of these guys. Like, this is like, an embarrassment as a Mets fan, but you didn't ask me about that. Baez, do I resign him or not? I love the tandem between him and Lindor. I love the connection they have. You know, the Baez said he would never play second base unless he has Lindor at short. Um, and Lindor has been absolutely sensational at defensively at short and base running. He has not been good offensively. That's been Lindor's problem this year. Um, and the Mets are going to have a lot of money to spend this year. But if I had to guess, Baez is not going to be back. Ooh. That's I would like him take. back though. That's a hot take. I, and it I, sucks because we gave yeah, up a really good prospect yeah. that I, I, I was really high on. Pico Armstrong, like, yo, that's our future defensive center fielder. Like, that's our guy. And then we flipped him for Baez for a rental. And, you know, that was my issue with Lindor trade at first. I'm like, yo, well, we traded for Lindor. We got to sign him to an extension. Like, we're not trading him. We're not trading for him for a one year rental. We got to extend him and it ended up being like 340 plus million dollars. So the big question is what type of money is Baez asking for? Is it like a 10 year deal? Is it a five year deal? Mm-hmm. Um, if we could lock him up, sign me up. I love Baez. I love the way he plays the game. It's very unique. He's all or nothing at the plate, but his unique style to the game of his hustle plays on the base path. It's so different. He plays the game with swagger. He's my style of a baseball player. Like I love those guys that run the bases hard. Um, it's very rare nowadays. So if I'm the Mets, I'm re-signing him. But this isn't a question you a- you asked me, but I have to mention it because he's my guy. If there's one guy that needs to be re-signed the most on this team, it's Marcus Stroman. Oh, the Yank- the resident Yankees hater. Yeah. <laughs> he's been the consistent best Mets pitcher yeah. on this entire team. Been healthy, 2.85 ERA. Um and I don't know. I really love, I love Showman's game. And I know that, you know, Yankees fans have their beef with him because he <laughs> is calling out and everything. So I knew you guys I mean, get a kick out of that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, honestly, if I was a Mets fan, I, I, I would want all my guys to act exactly like Strowman. Yeah. But as, but as Yankees, like a fan and player, we cannot acknowledge any of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like the way, it's just like the way it is. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. But if I'm the Mets, I'm like, yo, Strowman's my guy. I would, yeah. roll, I would. I would roll hard. That's that's curious about the the your bias take. Um, I, I think it's interesting too. Like the only way I could see it all working out is if you get Beltron. Do you have another manager in mind, or is that really? I know I threw it out there. Yeah, you know the manager situation is going to be interesting, man. Like I don't know if Beltron is going to like is going to be able to take a job. I know Alex Cora over in Boston's has a job, and these all the other guys that are in during the scandal. Pitch but Beltron back, was like, yeah, like Beltron was like the head guy of the scandal. Apparently, he was like. Uh, cheating the most out of anybody. He was, you know, the, the mastermind behind everything. So I don't know if that's going to have a, um, 
like a role in that or like have a play in it, whatever you want to say about it. But I would love Beltron back if we can just bring him in because I was so excited when we first had him. And for two months straight, I'm like, yo, Beltron, like I grew up idolizing this man. Like he was my guy. Like I'm 23 years old. So I grew up watching, you know, the Jose Reyes and David Wright and Carlos Beltron era. Like that was my squad growing up. And for Beltron to be my manager, I was like, wow, it's all coming full circle. And then it's got ripped away from me. And I got this minor league coach that's manager that's still here. I don't know why. But, you know, I haven't really done research of the, the managers that I want outside of Rojas, to be honest with you yet, because yeah. my mind is so now that I have like channels for the Jets, Knicks and Mets, I've been so focused on like the Jets and the Knicks right now, especially with the Mets imploding. So yeah. my mindset's like all Knicks Jets right now, to be honest. All right, so, so you're not looking forward to that 9-11 series? You, you, you passed no, that? I am actually. That, that's going to be dope. My friend is going. He bought tickets for it. And he was like telling me the, uh, the ticket prices, which is crazy. I know. That, that's, I mean, I watch every Mets game. It's not like yeah. I don't watch them. It's just the terms of the offseason moves and like thinking about what they're going to do in the future. I'm not even thinking about it right now. I just want this team to somehow... Show some positive positivity get ending the season. Like I'm not expecting to make the playoffs for like six and a half, seven games out. Just show me something at the end so I can say, hey, at least we finish off on a good note going into the next season because it's been nothing but negativity and it's just like everything's flipping upside down. Like, listen, I went through we went through it together, an 0 and twelve season with the Jets last year, like in the first twelve season twelve games. And as a content creator, I was live during every game and it was like absolutely darkness of depression for me on camera i'm like and i'm a very optimistic fan when it comes to my content and i'm like guys there's nothing positive about this right now like there's nothing i can spin other than the development of the players <laughs> so i'm trying to do that with the mets right now but there's no positive spin i have other than we have a an owner that has a lot of money that is like a fan tweeting about everything <laughs> so i don't know it, it, it's yeah. there's a lot to say about the mets man well What's what's one positive thing? Because we're not gonna end you off, let you end off on your team. Like, what do, you, what, do you, what do we want? Okay, yeah, there there is some positivity with this team. That's for sure. Um, I do believe in Steve Cohen as an owner. I think he has the okay. right approach with the, you know the business mindset. I feel like he's gonna accumulate the right people for the job. I think he's gonna be assertive. I think he's going to fire the right people and hire the right people because I feel like this his first season. I mentioned this earlier. This is his first time that he can get to really look at this team and some positive players. And one of my favorite players on the team is Pete Alonzo. I feel like he's proving a lot of people wrong. He's been the consistent bat for this team. He has 29 home runs, won the home run derby. Not that that matters, but he really is someone that is very positive. Every single interview, he's telling Mets fans to believe you got to believe in us. Even when they lose 10 games in a row, Pete Alonzo's, you know, at the podium, you know, looking like an idiot simply because he is saying all these optimistic things that doesn't come to fruition. But, and Mets fans are like, why is Pete saying all this stuff that doesn't happen? Like you need a positive voice in order. You, you need to have some type of faith and hope or else that will never happen. So Absolutely. Pete Alonzo is my, you know, biggest star of the season for me. Um, you know, and Jacob deGrom was, you know, obviously the star as well. Um, but I'm a very strong believer in Francisco Lindor. A lot of Mets fans are already turning on him. Like we have 10 damn years with this guy. And I genuinely believe that he was going to really break out like 45 games leading up into his oblique injury. He was slashing like the Francisco Lindor at the Cleveland Indians, but Mets fans won't admit that. Like he would go. 15 games straight with a hit. He would look sensational in the field. He would do all these great things. And then, you know, bottom of the eighth inning, he grounds out. Boo. This is, it's like, this, 
this this we I mean we had this we, we were uh, preconditioned with this A Rod syndrome and yeah. then and then now it's Dayton syndrome. So we 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 kind of have the antibodies to deal with it. Like we 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 we've like kind of flushed out the crazies about Staten, but also he's made it impossible to talk smack about him. But we feel you, man. Like, it's tough. Like, how do you expect a player to react when he's at home and he strikes out one time and everyone's doing him and nobody cares that he just killed it the last, like, two weeks? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like it, it, I, Exactly. Tough. That's yeah. the thing. Like, if you're slumping for six months straight, yeah. But, like, if you go on, like, a three-week straight skid, like, that, like, why are you booing after one at-bat? I mean, that... But if you want to just, you know, end it on this note with in terms of the booing, like mm. it's happened forever in New York, like like we'll decades back. That. Patrick Ewing was being booed at one point. Derek Jeter was being booed. Like yep. it really and that's where that, you know, that word always comes from. You got to be built for New York in order to succeed here. And I feel like just to compare it to Francisco Lindor, he's not used to New York. He was in Cleveland. He was being praised over there. And he comes to New York and he's hearing boos and he's not used to it. He's not used to a fan base not supporting him during his lows. So I feel like he just needs to, you know, understand the media of New York and understand that the fans and the media is going to be on his ass, no matter if he's doing good or bad. And he has 10 long years here. And I feel like this is the season for him to really understand what to expect because he, he was very, He's not handling the booze right. Like he's like, and I can tell it. Like it's not like Lindor, as you guys know, at Cleveland is known to be one of the most positive, bubbly personalities in baseball. Like he was at one point the best shortstop, and then now he just seems depressed, like at yeah. all times, and yeah. well, it's sad. Well, hopefully he he speaks to Julius Randle and sees what he has to do That's to a turn perfect it around. Example. So, and because Randle dealt with the booze, and look what he did—he turned it around, and now he embraces New York, and now we embrace him. We here, there baby. we go. We here, right? Yeah, or, I, I, know I feel like I feel like, sure, yeah. I feel like I feel like uh, Lindor will, will will get around. He just we just, we just got somehow we got to set up a, a meeting with Julius Randle. He can get he gets get him set straight. It's all good. <laughs> that's, but that's funny. The, that's funny that you say that real quick because during my Mets talk this morning. Like I was talking about Lindor, and then I compared it to Julius Randle. I'm like, Randle handled it right. Like, a lot of Knicks fans turned on him in his first year, and he was hearing all the criticism from the fans and the media. And look what he did. So Lindor, call up Randle. So I love how you said that. Yeah, and look, Randle blocked me. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, he did. Block. Yeah. I am blocked. Been blocked for over a year now. So it's not. It's not changing anytime soon. But on that note. Richie, thank you for coming on, man. Again, to talk about not only the Jets, but the Knicks and the Mets as well and giving us all your takes. Please let our listeners know where they can find you, my man. Yeah, man. You can follow me over on Instagram and Twitter at NY Jets Media, NY Knicks Media, NY Mets Media. And then same with YouTube. Um, I'm all over the place. Um, I'm actually launching a NFL and NBA-based YouTube channel. It's already out there, but I'm really trying to get more consistent on there. It's a lot on my plate. Um, but definitely check me out, guys. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. It feels awesome, you know, talk about all my teams. And I appreciate you guys want to hear my thoughts about the Mets, even though you guys are Yankees fans, because, you know, I'm going through some hell and you know what it's like <laughs> to go through hell as Knicks and Jets fans. So you guys are doing great things with your podcast. Keep it up. I would love to have you guys come on one of my uh, shows in the future and keep up the great work, guys. I see you guys are really passionate and knowledgeable with your stuff. And I can, you know, tell that we both all three of us have been through a lot with our team so you know there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's looking good for the Knicks and Jets and the Yankees
For sure, got, for sure. We gotta be Thank here you. for each other, bro. We gotta be. We're, we're, this, this, this Nobody else therapy, understands. Man. Exactly, it's group therapy. That's how I always talk about it's it. Group therapy. This is why I grow this beard, man. I become a therapist over my time being a freaking uh, sports fan at the age of thirty-two. That's what happens over here. I'm just trying yeah. to tell all my experience at this. Point. That's gonna be but me Richie. by then. <laughs> it's coming. There's a couple more losses, man. A couple more tough playoff losses. No, the beard will go. The beard will come. It'll be gray soon, though. That's oh yeah, don't issue. worry. Yeah, you don't. You don't want that. You don't want that. But everyone, make sure you go follow Rich. He's doing excellent <laughs> work out there. Go follow his YouTube channels. Go follow him on all social media platforms. And for all of our listeners out there, don't only support Rich, support us too. Make sure to give us a five-star rating on that Apple podcast if that's where you listen to it. And if you don't, it is okay. It is okay. Everyone relax because this is why. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher. You name it, we are there. On top of that, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, you got to hit that like button. You got to hit the subscribe. You got to hit that bell and get the notification when we drop a new episode because that's the only the polite thing to do, right? Am I right? Come on. Absolutely. And then, the, right. and then the last thing of all things, please follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. You can follow us at Nick's Jets, et cetera. Just one for the entire handle. Please make sure to do that and everyone will catch you later next week. Enjoy the Labor Day weekend. We will not be dropping on the regular schedule next week. We're going to be dropping a little bit later. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Uh, we got oh, some we good Nick's and Jess content coming out oh, next week. We do have a Madden giveaway. We do have a couple of Madden giveaways, too, coming out, too. So that, that that's just around the corner. So look out for that during Labor Day weekend. For sure. Facts. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me about that, John. So everyone will catch you later. And that's it. Peace. Let's go, Jets. Yes, sir.